chapter, the first portion of the 13th chapter of Bhagavad Gita during this camp. Bhagavad Gita, as you know, consists of 18 chapters and there is a verse that describes what it is that Bhagavad Gita essentially teaches. Sarvo Panishado Gavaha Dogdha Gopala Nandanaha Partho Vatsaha Sudhi Bhokta Dugdham Gita Amrutam Mahat. This verse says that if all the Upanishads are looked upon as cows, then Lord Krishna is an expert milkman because Lord Krishna grew up as a milk boy, as a cowherd boy, and therefore. He is very well versed in milking the cows. If Upanishads, you know what the Upanishads are, they are the end part of the Vedas, which deal with the knowledge of the truth or the reality. The Jnana Kanda, the section of the Vedas dealing with knowledge is called the Upanishad. The Upanishad itself means self-knowledge. And so there are a number of Upanishads, all of them dealing with the knowledge of the self, knowledge of the reality. If all the Upanishads are looked upon as cows and Lord Krishna is the expert milkman milking this cow, then Bhagavad Gita is the milk, that is milk from all the cows of the nature of Upanishads, meaning Bhagavad Gita is the very essence of all the Upanishads. Partho vatsaha sudhihi bhokta dugdham gita amrutam mahat. It is said that the cow would give milk only for the calf and cow also gives milk out of love for the calf and so there must be a calf here Arjuna is in the place of the calf <coughs> and that is how we get the milk in the form of the Bhagavad Gita so there is love involved here the cow has a love for the calf and similarly also the milk of the nature of Bhagavad Gita so Bhagavad Gita is the milk from the cows of all the Upanishads. Lord Krishna is the milkman and Arjuna is the calf. Here as you know, Arjuna is the disciple and Lord Krishna is the teacher in the Bhagavad Gita. And so this verse tells us that Bhagavad Gita teaches us the essence of all the Upanishads. 
it is also a teaching which is imparted out of love and kindness and thus we see in the dialogue of Bhagavad Gita also a love flowing from Lord Krishna to Arjuna so it is out of love and compassion that this knowledge is imparted and this knowledge that is Bhagavad Gita is the very essence of all the Upanishads <coughs> what is the Upanishads teach us? the teaching of Upanishads can be summarized in one simple statement Tattvamasi that thou art thou meaning you the individual is in fact that that which you are seeking to be in your life meaning that every individual is seeking something in his or her life every human being is born a seeker seeking something and if you ask this question what it is that the human being is seeking the answer is very simple he is seeking to be free he is seeking to be happy so what kind of freedom what kind of happiness a human being seeking he is seeking what we may call unconditional freedom or unconditional happiness because I do not like any conditions attached to my happiness or my freedom not only do I want to be free not only do I want to be happy but I do not want any conditions imposed upon me that I can be happy only if such and such conditions are satisfied if you do this then you get this well mom can I go to movie yes provided you clean up the yard then you can go to movie thus we find that for becoming happy today there is always a condition that I must satisfy then alone I can be happy I can enjoy freedom and happiness now and then but it is always accompanied with my having to satisfy some condition that if I do something then I get something in the, in the result and therefore I always have to pay a price for whatever happiness or freedom that I enjoy today <clears throat> it is not without price and this is what Arjuna discovered in the middle of the battlefield as to how the happiness or the freedom that he had been enjoying or whatever achievements he had he has had in his life all of them were always conditional meaning that he had to pay the price for everything that he achieved so far me. Oh Lord please tell me about that tell me that Shreyas that well-being that good which I can achieve once and for all meaning for achievement of which there is no price having achieved which there is nothing remains to be achieved so this is a theme that we find in the Upanishads knowing which nothing remains to be known achieving which nothing remains to be achieved sa kashtha sa paragatihi reached where there is nothing to be reached further meaning the ultimate goal of life having gained which the human being gains a sense of complete fulfillment that everything that had to be done has been done etat buddha Lord Krishna says that gaining this knowledge one becomes buddhiman intelligent in the real sense Krutakrutyasya and one gains a true fulfillment in life what is this fulfillment? fulfillment is that I am full I am complete and that everything that, that nothing remains to be done whatever had to be done in life has been done and thus one discovers that wholeness or fullness about oneself so krutakrutyasya bharata whatever had to be done has been done whatever had to be gained has been gained you know so this satisfaction that one can this matter of imagination imagine that all that you want is attained just in one stroke as Taitri Upanishad would say that he attains all his desires simultaneously at one stroke Satyam Jnanamanantam Brahma Yo Vedanahitam Guhayam Paramevyoman Sosnute Sarvan Kaman Saha Sarvan Kaman Saha Snute He experiences all the desirable things at one stroke. This is just to give us an idea of what is meant by fulfillment. Everything that I wanted in my life and everything that I can possibly want in my life if all of that is given to me in one stroke or that I can experience a happiness in one stroke 
of attaining everything that I want to attain in my life. That is what is meant by the unconditional happiness or limitless happiness. And this is what every human being is seeking, knowingly or unknowingly. Most people are seeking unknowingly. There are a few rare ones who are seeking it knowingly. But then there is no choice in seeking this infinite or unconditional happiness. There is no choice. We are born without the choice. We are born seekers. In reference to that the Upanishad says, that which you are seeking, that fulfillment, that wholeness, completeness, infiniteness, limitlessness, or unconditional freedom, unconditional happiness, whatever you call it, that thou art, that in the, indeed you already are. Now this is a great secret which nobody can ever even suspect. So Lord Krishna says, Raja Vidya, Raja Gukhyam. This is the king among all the knowledge. Raja Gukhyam, this is the king among all the secrets. Meaning that this is the most exalted knowledge and this is the most exalted secret. It is this secret that Upanishad reveals before us that you are what it is that you are searching for. You are what it is that you want to become. Meaning that the goal is already achieved. The thing is, what this means is that the goal of life is already achieved. And you are trying to achieve something that has already been achieved. <coughs> As the story of the tenth man tells us that this tenth boy is searching for himself. Not counting himself and therefore feeling that the tenth boy is lost, he doesn't count himself. And he comes to the conclusion that the tenth boy is lost. And he's searching for the tenth boy, not knowing that what he's searching for is his own self. <coughs> this sometimes gives example of this uh, of this deer, musk deer. It is said that this musk is right in the navel of this deer, not knowing that the deer is searching for the musk because it experiences the fragrance and it goes around everywhere in the forest searching for the musk, which is right with itself. And thus there is something like this, that we are searching for something which is already with ourselves, meaning that the goal that we are searching for or goal that we want to really reach has already been reached. Tattva must say that thou art, you are indeed that already. How can it be? Then, then what this means is that, what this declaration of Upanishad means is that the goal of the life is not something to be achieved, but the goal of life is something to be understood. Perhaps I have a wrong understanding of my own self. Perhaps I have a wrong perception of my own self, arising from ignorance of my own self, and therefore in human life there is something called ignorance. Which we all know, that each one of us is born indeed ignorant, knowing nothing at all when we are born. And therefore, everyone is born ignorant, human being is born ignorant. And there is ignorance of two kinds, ignorance of the world around me, as well as ignorance of my own self. When I am born, I am born of the ignorance of things around me, as well as I am born ignorant of myself. Therefore, somebody should tell me, this is your dad. And this is your brother, and this is your sister, and so forth. All of these are to be told to me when I am born because I am born totally ignorant. But what I do not know is that I am also born ignorant of myself. It is quite clear to me that I do not know this world and therefore I have to learn about it. And that is why I go to school and go to college or university to learn about things that I do not know, which I wish to know. But one thing I do not know and that is that I in fact have ignorance about my own self that I do not know myself also. The Swami that is not right. I know myself. In fact I can write a thesis about my own self as to who I am and people do write their biographies you know. Big books are written. How do you say I do not know myself? Well, the question is that I know myself alright but then whether it is a right knowledge or it is a wrong knowledge. Sometimes it happens that I know something but in fact I do not know it correctly. I think that I know. Like the rope snake 
what is there in front of me is a piece of rope and I take it to be a snake because of inadequate lighting or whatever the reason and thus I mistake that to be a snake. Now I am pretty sure that I know what it is. I think that I know this object. In fact, I do not know. Not only I do not know but then I have a false perception about that. Meaning that it's a wrong thing which I think is the right knowledge. <coughs> this in Sanskrit is called Brahma. This happens to us sometimes. That we merrily go along in a given direction while driving on the road thinking that I am going in the right direction and happily I drive along to recognize after some time that I am in fact going in the wrong direction. So sometimes it happens that even though what I think is wrong, I do not know that it is wrong. And that's very, you know, if I know what I know is wrong, then of course I will proceed to ask somebody to correct that. If the ignorant knows that he is ignorant, then he will, he will make an attempt to dispel that ignorance. But ignorant, ignorant does not know that he is ignorant. Not only that, but ignorant thinks that he is wise. As Upanishad says, avidyaya mantare vartamanaha svayam dhiraha panditam manyamanaha The people living in the midst of ignorance and taking themselves to be very learned and wise. Something like that is there in case of human being. That he thinks that he knows something, in fact he knows it wrongly. And who is the one who I think I know correctly? As Swami used to say, the one word that is most incorrectly used and employed or most often wrongly used is the word I. And so I have definitely certain notions about myself. What the Upanishad points out to us that what you know, the way you know yourself is not the truth of yourself. This is in fact misperception or wrong perception about yourself. Just as someone who knows the object is a rope. And when I declared, hey, I saw a snake there. Where did you see snake, Swamiji? Oh, in your garden there. He had a suspicion already when I said snake. Well, let us, let us go and find out. And I take that my friend to that location where I saw the snake. And he shows the torch and shows to me, no, Swamiji, it is not snake. It is a piece of rope. So when I declare that it is a snake, the person who knows that it is a rope, knows that this is Brahma, or this is delusion, or this is false knowledge, or false notion. But for me, it is something which is right or real. And thus it can happen in our life. That something that we think is true, could very well be false. Of course if I knew the false is false, then it is wonderful. But if I knew, if I think that true, and if I take it to be, what is false, if I take it to be true, then I am always taken for a ride. And that's how human being is taken for a ride. Taken for a ride means what? Searching for what is already there. Just as sometimes I am taken for a ride by my own mind. Searching for something which is already in me, with me. Like a bunch of key, which may be already in my pocket, and I was searching for it all over. Like a pair of glasses which I am wearing and I am looking for it all over. Not recognizing that I can see only because the glasses are there. But still I am looking for my glasses. I find myself doing that sometimes. And thus in short this example shows that this is a possibility. Swami I know who I am. I don't need anybody to tell me who I am. But then I need somebody to tell me who I am. Because... I am not comfortable with the knowledge that I have of myself. So the thing is, it is a true knowledge when I am comfortable with which, that, you know, if I was comfortable with myself, or if I was comfortable with what I take myself to be, then I would think that it's a true knowledge. So I am comfortable, Swami. I know that I am a woman, I know that I am a man, I am quite happy with that. But I cannot be happy taking myself to a man or a woman. I ensure I cannot be happy taking myself to be a limited entity. I know myself all right, but I know myself as a limited being. A being who is limited in time, limited in place, and limited in every way. Thus I know myself, but know myself as a limited being. And very often these limitations just get exposed. 
When in the test somebody got more marks than I did, then my limitation gets exposed. In the race for running, when I do not go, I am not number one, I am third, fourth, tenth, etc., then my limitation gets exposed. And thus in many cases my limitation gets exposed and I just feel frustrated. So when do I feel frustrated in my life? Whenever I discover myself to be a limited being. Swami, I am frustrated. Why? I have been applying for this job and I don't get it. They called me, invited me for interview three times, they are not given me the job. I worked so hard but I did not get the promotion. And so I worked so hard I did not get this admission and so on. And thus I get frustrated. I get frustrated or unhappy with frustration means being unhappy with myself and whenever I discover myself to be limited then I become frustrated or unhappy with myself. And thus these events of being unhappy with myself are many. And that shows that I'm not comfortable with the way I know myself to be. And that's there the Upanishad says that, hey, you are you are not what you take yourself to be. You are something quite different from what you take yourself to be. Tattvamasi, that thou art. In fact, you are what it is that you want to be. You already are free. You already are limitless. This is what we are told. Something very difficult to accept or something unbelievable, but this is what Upanishad tells us. <coughs> that meaning the goal. You meaning what you are. So you, as you take yourself to be a limited being, is in fact that which means the limitless. This is basically what the Upanishad says. This is a big thing. What the Upanishad says is something very huge. Sentence is very simple. But then the meaning is extremely profound. That I am what it is that I am searching for, meaning that I am the very goal. I am the very end. I am the very freedom, the very limitless, the whole and complete being that I want to be. So Swami, you alone are, how about us? Well, you also are. Because when they say you, that is applies to that applies to everybody. Even a little child, even a little child. Even this miserable fellow, yes. Totally ignorant, doesn't know anything, even he also. Whether a person is ignorant or not ignorant, he is wealthy or he is poor, he is white or he is not white, whatever it is, unconditionally, without any condition. No, but Swamiji, is it not that I will become that? Should I not have to do something in order to become that limitless without doing anything at all? As you are and whoever you may be, because this pronoun you applies to everybody without any condition. But Swami, you can women also gain this knowledge. <laughs> this you also, because this you doesn't have any gender, you know. I doesn't have any gender, and you also does not have any gender. Meaning that we use the pronoun I for any gender. Is it not so? Anybody and everybody uses the pronoun I, whether it's a child or whether it's an old person, whether it's wealthy or whether it's poor, whether it's past, present, or future, whoever it is. Suppose mosquito also had the language, or if you could understand the language. Some people say that there are people who can talk to dogs, you know. And so, people can talk to animals. I don't know what it is. But then, suppose you could understand the language of an animal, and if animal also could use the pronoun I, well, that also would use the pronoun I alone. A mosquito also would call himself I, a dog also would call itself I, and everybody would call themselves I. This I is something that is unconditionally used by everybody. And therefore, you are Brahman or you are limitless that you unconditionally applies to everyone. And understand that this statement is a statement of fact. You are Brahman. If you are told that you will become Brahman or you will be Brahman, then it's a promise. That you will be Brahman after death when you go to heaven. Some such thing is given, then of course it's a matter of belief. But here we are told, you are Brahman. Swami, I am just 15 year old, but still. I have not yet gone to college, even then. But is it not that only when I become, I, I, I study up to PhD, then perhaps I can, I am Brahman, no? Not that you should not study, or not that you don't have to go to college, not that you should not become PhD, that's not the point. The point is that you are as you are today, right now. R, R means what? Something, R represents or R reveals something which is obtaining in the present. 
you are Brahman, you are limitless. If you don't understand these words limitless and Brahman, then you, you know, you are whatever it is that you love to be. Oh Swami, that's wonderful. I love to be a millionaire, that's all. Am I a millionaire? I want to be, I don't know, some star, film star, movie star. Am I that? Or I want to be a sports star. Is, is, am I that? But you don't really want to be a sports star. I don't think you want to be a movie star. I don't think you want to be a millionaire. Or a billionaire. Now, millionaire doesn't mean much these days, I guess. Or a billionaire. I don't think that you just want to be a billionaire for the sake of being billionaire. What you imagine is, so, when I imagine, see, when I want to become a billionaire, you know what it means? I imagine myself as a billionaire. I have a picture of myself as a billionaire. And that is not the picture of a billionaire. It's the picture of a free person, understand? It's a picture of a person who is happy and free. Even when I want to be a sports star or some other star, then also, what is, what do I visualize myself to be? A free or a happy person. One is totally satisfied with myself, this is what I want to be. Everybody has their own picture of what that pleased self is, what that happy self is, what that free self is. Everybody has a different notion about what the freedom or happiness is and therefore everybody has a different ideal, everybody wants to be something. Somebody wants to be a doctor, somebody wants to be a lawyer, somebody wants to be whatever, the President of the United States, anything that you want to be. Understand that what you want to be through all of them is very simple and that you just want to be free and happy. You know, becoming a sports star means what Swami, you get billions of dollars. You can dictate your own conditions. That's, that's what I want. I want to dictate my own conditions. I do not want to be dictated by somebody else. A billionaire means what? Everything is at your command. You can get whatever you want. That's the idea. Idea is that I can get, meaning that I am not controlled by anything. What I want is, I do not want to be controlled by anything. Being controlled itself is miserable, is unhappiness. Sarvam parvasam dukkam, wherever parvashta is there, meaning wherever dependence is there, whenever I am dependent on something, whenever I am controlled by something or somebody, well that itself is unhappiness. There is no unhappiness separate from helplessness. That helplessness means unhappiness. And I feel unhappy whenever I feel helpless. And therefore, when I imagine something to be the ideal of goal of my life, meaning that I imagine myself to be free from the sense of helplessness. That's what I want to be. And therefore, everybody wants to be free. Everybody wants to be free from a sense of helplessness. Nobody wants to be controlled. But everybody wants to control everything. You don't want even control anything. So idea is, even though I think that how wonderful it will be and I can control everything. I don't know what you want to control. Like this man, there's a story of a man who was breaking rocks that with, with hammer. So this was his job. It's very hard work, working in hot summer and breaking stones. So while one afternoon in the summer he was doing this, sweating and tired, he saw a man going, you know, in his air-conditioned car. A wealthy man riding an air-conditioned car. He said, how nice would it be if I became this person, you know. I'm fed up with the seat, I'm fed up with the hard work. How comfortable, nice would it be if I was in this air-conditioned car? Well, somehow it happened. Immediately, he became the person, you know, riding the air-conditioned car. Wonderful. He was happy. Except that one day the air-conditioner would not work and again he was sweating in the sun and he had to come out of his car, something was wrong with the car and then he came out, opened his hood or whatever and the sun was very bright and now he had, you know, now that he was used to air-conditioning, it was difficult for him to, uh, to really stand that sun. He said, I want to become sun, then I'll scorch everybody. I want to become sun, I'll scorch everybody. He became sun, started scorching everybody. Then came the clouds, and these clouds frustrated the, att frustrated the attempt of the sun to scorch people. He says, what are these clouds, you know? How dare do they stop me? I want to become, you know, 
How if I were the clouds? Immediately became clouds. That's all I become cloud. I'll rain now, heavily. And I'll drench everything. And he just started raining and raining and raining. You wanted to control everything? You wanted to be in charge of everything? So as sun you wanted to scorch everybody, as clouds you wanted to drench everything. And so he started pouring and pouring. Except the stupid rock, regardless of what you do, he just would not get wet. He says, what does this rock mean, you know? Oh, immediately became rock. And now, any amount of rain is okay. Nothing happened to this rock. Except that one, one, one day, a rock breaker came, a stone breaker came along, and he started pounding this rock. He says, what is this fellow doing? How can he do this to me? I want to become rock stone breaker. I'll break every rock. Immediately became the stone breaker. And thus, he became what he started from. So this idea that of I controlling everything is what? It all means that I just want to be free. Nobody wants to control anything for the sake of controlling. Whatever it is that anybody wants is simply for the sake of freedom. I should not be controlled by anybody. I just want to be free. This is what a human being aspires. A very simple thing we aspire. Just to be free from every sense of limitation, every sense of helpless, helplessness, every sense of being controlled. Even a child also doesn't want to be controlled. And mom and dad, these days children are pretty smart, you know. And so this little child, just I think hardly four or five years old, and I asked him one day when I was visiting the home, hey so and so, will you please switch off the TV? You know? I said, I'm a Swami. I can tell a child, you know, what to do. And the child asked me, do I have to? I said, well, what can I say? This, this never occurred to me when I was a child. It never occurred to me that you can ask this kind of a question. When an elder, somebody older than you tells you something, just do it. And when Swami tells you something, there's a question. This fellow says, do I have to? So nobody wants to be told. Nobody wants to be controlled. Which is quite fair, I think. It's quite fair because the reason why we love freedom so much, that's what we say, that you are what you love to be. We started this discussion by saying, oh, I want to, I, I love to be a billionaire, I love to be so and so. You don't love to be anything, you just love to be free. That's what everybody loves. And everybody has a picture of what freedom means and that's why they imagine they want to do something, they want to become something thinking that that's what will give them freedom. It's only when you reach that that you find out that there is somebody else who controls you. You become free by becoming the President of the United States, you know, that's it. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring order everywhere, the senators do not know this, congressman, I'm going to straighten everybody how? Then you get straightened, you know. <laughs> because the executive is under control of, control of the legislative, they are under control of the judiciary and they are under control of this. We, you know, so understand that this is all right, nothing wrong in this. The idea is that if I think that by becoming something that that is the goal of life, that is not what it is. The goal of life, as I said, is very simple, just becoming free. So how do we become free? In a very simple way, how do we become free? Just my not demanding freedom not demanding anything. That's what Vedanta explains to us. How do I become free? When I do not make any demand upon anybody, then I am not controlled by anybody. Whenever I control by somebody, whenever I, de I am dependent on somebody, whenever I have an expectation from somebody, whenever I have a demand from somebody, that please make me happy, please love me, please give me security, please do this to me, please, you know, this is what I want other people to make me comfortable, I want other people to support me, I want other people to accept me, I want other people to make me happy, I want other people to give me security, I want other people to do things to me. And whenever I am dependent on something or somebody then I am controlled by them because Anybody will do something to me, provided I am willing to pay the price. So when am I free? Simple. 
when I am free from every demand. When can I be free from every demand? When can I be free from every demand? When whatever it is, is fine. You know what a demand means? Demand means says, as the things are, they are not all right. And if they change to suit me, then they are all right. So every demand from me always is a demand for change and that somebody should change in order to suit me, in order to become favorable to me, in order to become so that I can be comfortable. When can I become free from demand? When I am comfortable with the way things are. So how can you be comfortable with the way things are? That's it. If I am comfortable with the way things are. When will I be comfortable with the way things are? Can somebody tell me? See, when we said that all I am seeking in my life is freedom. When can I be free? When I become free from all the demands, all expectations. When can I become free from all demands, all expectations? When everything is acceptable to me as it is. It is hot? All right. Cold? All right. This fellow uh, loves me? Okay. He hates me? All right. I am hungry? All right. I have food? All right. Everything is all right around me. I am comfortable with the way things are. When can I be comfortable with the way things are around me? Can somebody tell me? When I am comfortable with myself. I can be comfortable with things around me when I am comfortable with myself. that nothing can make me uncomfortable if I am comfortable with myself. When can I be comfortable with myself? When I am happy or I accept myself as I am. When I accept myself as I am, I am happy myself with myself as I am. So how can I be happy with myself? That's what Upanishad says. You are that self, really, knowing which you will be happy with yourself as you are. Today I am not happy with myself. Am I not happy with myself as I am? Or am I not happy with myself as I think I am? What Vedanta says is that I am unhappy with myself that I think I am. But if I came to know what I really am then I am sure to be happy with myself as I am. <coughs> Meaning that that freedom all that happiness is what I am right now. And if I knew myself that way, I would be very happy and comfortable with myself. If I am comfortable with myself, I am comfortable with the world around me. When I am comfortable with the world around me, I am a non-demanding person. Prajahati yada kaman sarvan parthamanogatan Lord Krishna says, describing a wise person, the person who is free from every demand. How come he is free from every demand? Atmaneva Atmanatushtaha Because he is completely satisfied with himself as he is. Having discovered a complete satisfaction with oneself, therefore a person becomes totally free from any demand and that's how the person is comfortable with everything as it is. Manapamana Tulyo Mitrari Pakshayoho Whether the person is respected or disrespected. Whether it is a friend or a foe, whether heat or cold, whether it is favorable or unfavorable, whatever the situation is. And the situations are always going to change. In all the changing situations, in all totally contradictory situations also, this person is totally comfortable. Because he is comfortable with himself. So basically this is what the Upanishads teach us. They in fact ask us to look at our own self and see whether or not the notions that we have about our own self, whether these notions are right. Whether whatever I think about myself today, is it right? Is it based on the reasoning or have I just taken it for granted? We are, we are made to see that we have taken for granted. I have taken for granted that I am a limited being. 
that I am a helpless, helpless being. I am just a small little creature in this whole scheme of things. And thus, that I am a small, insignificant creature. This is what I take myself to be. And that is not the truth about me. That is something that I have taken for granted, not having given a thought about what I am. And therefore, Upanishads or Vedanta and Bhagavad Gita, therefore, directs our attention to who I am. And that's what 13th chapter is about. This is the main subject matter of 13th chapter. Who is the subject matter? I am the su- subject matter. The I. In fact, that's the subject matter of the whole Gita. But before we come to 13th chapter, then 12 chapters have gone by. Lot of things have been taught in the 12 chapters. But primarily what has been taught in the 12 chapters is that one subject matter was taught in the first six chapters. Another subject matter was taught in the second six chapters. And then the final subject matter is taught in the last six chapters. As we say, what the Upanishads teach can be summarized in one statement. That thou art. You are that. And so the first six chapters of the Gita deal with you, that is the individual self. The second six chapters of Bhagavad Gita deal with that which is God or Brahman. The third six chapters deal with what we call the identity. Reveal how I am in fact that. Reveal the, reveal the identity between that and I. <coughs> and so this is how the, the thirteenth chapter opens, revealing the identity between the individual, that is the Jiva, and Ishvara, the Lord. That's subject matter of the 13th chapter, as we will see. This says, Lord Krishna uses a number of uh, words or terms here. And this has some reference to what has been discussed in the earlier chapters also, which might, we might just give you an idea of what went by in some of the previous chapters, or what necessitated the discourse of the 13th chapter. Having completed 12 chapters, why did Lord Krishna continue to proceed with the 13th chapter? See, some of the chapters of Bhagavad Gita open with a question or a statement on the part of Arjuna. Then we can understand that Arjuna had something to say, he had a question or he had a doubt and the discourse was given to clear the doubt or answer that question. So the 13th chapter opens with the statement of Lord Krishna himself. There are many chapters that open. That means that he sees the need to do this, you know. See, when the student asks something and the teacher says, then we can say that what the teacher says is in response to the question of the student. But when the teacher himself opens the discourse, that means that he sees the need, the student needs to know something. He may have certain question. And therefore, that question which the teacher thinks the student has in his or her mind, that, that is being replied. That's how the 13th chapter is. As I said, what Lord Krishna said earlier does bring about perhaps a certain question. In the 12th chapter, Lord Krishna in fact described a wise person. Yomad bhaktaha same priyaha. This devotee of mine is very dear to me. Lord Krishna gives a certificate to this person. That's a very important certificate. He is dear to me. It's one thing for me to say that Lord is dear to me. It's one thing to say for me to say that Oh, I love the President of the United States. It's another thing for him to say that I love this person. That's a big thing. For me to say that I love this film star is wonderful. It's all right. But for him to say that, I love this person. So in the 12th chapter, Lord Krishna says, I love this person. Yomad bhaktaha same priyaha. A devotee of mine who is like this, he is dear to me. He gives a certificate. What is it? What makes this person dear to the Lord? There is something that must be special about him? Yes. What is special about him? Because of his nature. Adveshta Sarabhutam, he is the one who has hatred for no one. Maitraha, the one who is friendly with everybody. Karunaha, one who is kind and compassionate to everybody. 
nirmamaha, nirahankara, one who is free from any kind of pride or ego. And one who is free from any sense of ownership, doesn't claim ownership of anything. And one who is always accommodating, always forgiving, always kind. So this is how the description is. Can you imagine a person who is kind to everybody, who is friendly to everybody, who has no claim on anybody, who has no sense of ownership at all, that this is mine, you know. So when you, when you relate to me, I always draw a boundary line that this is the boundary line, you cannot enter from beyond that, this is mine, and then you can have anything else. So if you ask me, Swami, can I have this paper clip? Have it. You ask me, can I have the flower? Have it. Ask me, can I have the book? So wait a minute, that is mine. <laughs> that you cannot have. And so, of course, an ordinary person has a need to call things mine. Because I derive my security from that. If I do not have that, I'll become insecure. Who is a person who doesn't have to claim any ownership because, I mean that, because without owning anything, without having claim on anything, he is still comfortable. As I said, that I am happy with a flower, provided this flower comes from my garden, then I am happy. If the same flower is in your garden, I look at it, it's okay, you know. But in my garden, I am very proud and very happy. So it is not only flower that makes me proud, but that is mine. It is a sense of ownership, you know, that really makes me proud. And therefore what I enjoy, or what makes me happy, is that sense of ownership, is that, you know, that this is mine, sense of possession. This person is free from all these kind of needs. So this ownership also is a need. This ego also is a need. All of these are my needs. I'm not egoistic for the sake of egoistic. I'm egoistic because that is a need. That ego makes me feel something important, makes me feel distinguished, makes me feel that I'm something. This person doesn't need the ego to make him feel that he's okay. He does not need to own anything to feel that he's alright. He doesn't have to hate anybody to feel that he's alright. He doesn't have to parcel to anybody to feel that he's alright. He doesn't have to punish anybody to feel he's alright. And that is how this is a person. He's a person that we may call a, a wise person or a man of perfection. Yomad bhakta same priya A devotee who is there such he is dear to me. We want to be dear to Lord Krishna. He is dear to us. But when he says, we are dear to, I am dear, you know, you are dear to me, then that is, that means that we have really made it. So what is so special about this person? His nature. Why does he possess his nature? How come he has no hatred for anybody? How come that he is kind to everybody? He is friendly to everybody. He is forgiving everybody. He has no ownership. He has no claim. What is it? What makes him this? It is something that he knows. What does he know? So therefore when we hear the description of this bhakta or the, the wise devotee, then we also want to be like him. But we can be like him provided we have what he has. He has some knowledge. And therefore, what is that knowledge that this person has? Because of which he is what he is. And so it is that knowledge which is the subject matter of the 13th chapter. What is it that this person knows which makes him dear to the Lord? Teshamaham samudharta vritti samsara sadhana In the 12th chapter Lord Krishna again says that I lift him up from the ocean of misery. I lift him up. Why should Lord Krishna lift him up? Again, what is so special about it? So, that is, what is that knowledge which makes this person special? And that is the subject. That's why Lord Krishna starts a discourse. Having described in the end of the 12th chapter, this wise person or devotee who is dear to him and who possesses this wonderful qualities. Yasmano dvijate loka hai, lokano dvijate One very important characteristic of the wise person is that nobody has any fear from him. He is not a threat to anybody. Yasmano dvijate loka hai. He, he is not a threat to anybody. Lokano dvijate hai. And who is not threatened by anybody. He is not a threat to anybody because he has no claims. 
See, I can become a threat to somebody when I claim something. Wait a minute, that is mine. Or when you feel that this person will compete with me or claim something, then I become a threat. This person does not compete with anybody. He doesn't, he is not a threat to anybody. He doesn't claim anything. He is, you know, that's why he is not a threat to anybody. He has given immunity from fear to everybody. So nobody need to fear from me. Nobody to have fear from me. And he also is not threatened by anybody. When would I not be threatened by anybody? When I have nothing to lose? If there is something that somebody can take away from me, there's always a fear. So he is not a source of fear to anybody and he is not afraid of anybody. So this most wonderful, this is, what is the description of freedom? So what would rock freedom? Or what would rock happiness? Is in fact beautifully described in many places in Bhagavad Gita. But most eloquently described in the 12th chapter, the last 8 verses of the 12th chapter described it very beautifully. So what, I want to be like that. What does he know? Because of which he is like that. And that's what I also want to know. And since that question may arise in our mind, therefore, in reply, for replying that question, the 13th chapter is begun by Lord Krishna. What is that knowledge? <coughs> and so this, this knowledge of the self, or the knowledge of the reality, is the subject matter of the 13th chapter, with knowing which, as we said, nothing remains to be known, or knowing which, I become what Krishna describes as a complete person. That means I become a complete being, become free. That means this knowledge is the means of attainment of the very goal or the objective of my life. Knowing which nothing remains to be done. Etat buddhva buddhiman syat krita Gaining this knowledge, the person becomes intelligent in the right sense and krita becomes fulfilled in his life. So this is the fulfilling knowledge and that subject matter of the 13th chapter. And we'll start the chapter in our, from our next class. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrutavande Bhagavanta Upunapunaha Ishvaro Guruatmevi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo